0: Hello everyone. Welcome to the Power of Man podcast. This is Rory Paquette. I'm your host and this is episode 17. I'm going to talk about self-esteem today, not in ourselves, but in our children. Um, we've been bouncing around a little bit and we've gotten some great comments here lately and um, you know, we've been talking a lot about finance and money and um, income, side incomes, things like that, which I think are very important. Obviously, which is why we continue to talk about them. But um, I want to make sure that I'm spending time on all five of the pillars. And, um, you know, the five pillars, in case you have forgotten them or in case you missed those early episodes, are marriage, family, faith, health, and of course, money. So we've spent a lot of time on money, like I've said. And uh, I think it's time that we go back and, and talk about children. Um, you know, I've had some things happen here recently, uh, with, uh, some of my kids and, um, you know, as you, as you look at your children and you think, um, well, you think they're going to be with you forever, of course, when you first start out, I know that most of the people that I'm talking to right now are in your, you know, 35 to 55 age group. Um, when your kids get older and you start realizing that they're leaving home and, you know. They don't really need you anymore for day-to-day survival. Uh, you start to get that separation thing. You start to, you know, really hurt. And, uh, you know, you, you get that that conundrum where all at once you're, you're so proud of the people that they are becoming. You know, of the adults that they're turning into. And you're proud of the work you've done, you know, and, and what influence you may have had on that particular development but you're also conflicted with the, just the utter pain of, of watching them leave home and knowing that they don't need you anymore because you did a good job and you know, they're off to, to start their lives now. And you know, I've, I've watched a couple friends of mine say goodbye to their daughter going off into the military, you know, um, through their Facebook posts and stuff. And I, I just, as a fellow parent, Whose you know kids have left and are leaving it's it just tears your heart out so i get it and um you know my heart goes out to every one of you folks that are going through that right now in some capacity your kids went off to college you know a few weeks ago and um you know maybe they graduated and they they moved out and started their own lives maybe they got jobs maybe they're you know uh apprenticing somewhere i mean there there's tons of stuff that all these kids can go do um But the bottom line is, is they're not, they're not with you anymore. And, um, you have to deal with the fact that you did such a good job getting them ready that they don't need you anymore. (laughs) So, um, anyway, we're all going through that right now. And as I'm looking at, at this and I'm thinking back on, you know, my kids when they were little and things like that, um, you know, when you say you did something right with the kids, um. What does that look like? You know, how do you know that that you're actually doing something right when that sort of thing happens? Um I was looking at, you know, my three kids are very, very different. And I was looking at how did they grow up? What were some common things that they had? Um, common traits, common teachings, threads that might have been the same. What happened with these guys that that led to all three of my kids being, um, very independent and very confident, um, you know, ready to go out and just take on the world. Um, and you know, I, I through a lot of struggle and, uh, you know, th- these podcasts, are, let me, let me interject. These podcasts, when I talk about my kids are never as smooth as my other ones <laughs> because I just, I get choked up at every step. When I sit there and think about, you know, my daughter, and my sons, I, it's really hard to to stay straight and not go off on 10 or 11 million tangents. And uh, so please pardon me. You know, if I end up sounding disjointed or like I'm all over the place, it's just really hard to talk about your kids when they hit this point uh, without not getting choked up. So uh, I will continue to try that. Um, but that's what's going on. In case you're wondering why I sound a little different than normal. Um, like I was saying, you know, I, I look at, at the common threads that my kids had growing up and I came up with four things that, you know, I want to recommend to parents that you focus on that you really, you take advantage of when your kids are growing up. So for parents who have younger kids, make sure that you're working on these four things with your children, you know, whoever they are. Um, and if you haven't worked on this sort of thing with your kids uh, up until now, it's probably a good time to start doing that. You know, I've said a million times about the power, man. It's never too late to start fixing yourself. It's never too late to try and find that inner power that you were born with. Well, you know what? It's also never too late to start trying to repair things with your kids. It's never too late to say, hey, I didn't do this earlier in life, but I really want my kids to learn this, so I'm going to try like hell to get this lesson through to them while I still can. So I don't want, you know, you out there, you know, you dads out there going, Hey, uh, you know, I I didn't do this when they were younger. It was a great idea, but I didn't. So I guess it's too late. It's never too late, man. All right. It's only too late if you walk away and give up. Clearly that's not what we're about here. So these are four things that, I hope that with whatever time you have left, with the kids uh, being at home, that you take these things into account, that you look at how you may or may not have been strong in these four areas, and make all four of these a priority moving forward, okay? Um, Like I said, there's four things here. Uh, The first one, and I did this when they were very young, but then I also kind of set things up for them to do this when they were older. Um, if you want to build self-esteem in your kids so that when they do graduate, you know, and, and get to be 18 to 21 years old, that they feel like they can go out and take on the world, let them win. Help them win. Find ways to let them enjoy winning. Winning. That's number one. And there's a lot of layers to that. You know, when my kids were little, uh, I'd play, you know, Candyland with them, for instance. And I would always palm the ice cream float card, which is the one that takes you all the way to the top, and the candy cane falls, (laughs) which takes you all the way to the bottom. And I would always remove those from the deck when I spread the cards out and stuff. And, uh, you know, we played where you spread the cards out in the the box cover so that they could literally just kind of pick whatever they wanted instead of just one after the other, after the other in a pile. And, um, I, we would just play it out, play it out. And if I got close to winning, I would make sure that I palmed the ice cream float card out right to where my daughter or son was picking and they would pick the ice cream float card. And what do you know, they'd skyrocket all the way to the top. And on the very next play, I would accidentally pull out the Candy Cane Falls card. And I would drop all the way to the bottom. (laughs) And I always made sure that I did that. And, uh, you know, that way you're pretty much guaranteed that just by playing the rest of the course of the game, they're going to win. And it just gives them it gives them confidence. It gives them, uh, you know, a sense of accomplishment. It makes them feel good about competing. You know, there's a school of thought that says, you know, teach your kids to lose at a young age and they'll get mad and they'll want to compete and everything else. And I, you know, anybody who thinks that isn't paying attention, you know, if your kids lose at games when they're younger, guess what? They don't want to play anymore. And so what you're actually teaching your kids at that age is not how to deal with defeat. You're teaching them futility. Why bother? Why try? I feel bad when I lose, so I'd rather not try. That's what you're teaching them. So throughout my, uh, you know, parenting of all three of these crazy kids, and throughout all my coaching and everything else I've done, I've always made sure that the kids had victories along the way, every chance that I could get them everything I could help with. And, uh, you know, that has built, um, some very strong kids because later on when they do lose, they already have a winning mentality. They already expect to win. So when they do actually lose, they go, Hmm, okay, I'm not going to accept that. And they go back and they do it again. And they try harder and they try harder and they get back to winning. They get back to winning because they know how good it feels to win. And they get back to winning because it's what they expect. And that's a hard thing to teach. I mean, we've all seen teams, for instance, that just have adopted a losing mentality. They may have a moment or two of of greatness or of, you know, really good play, but eventually they fall right back into, oh, here we go again. We're going to lose again. Okay. And they do. So you don't want your kids to fall into that. So that's number one. Number two. And I'm sure you knew this was coming. So we're just going to put it in here at number two, but get them involved in a sport or some sort of physical activity. And I'm not dogging, you know, playing chess or playing video games or anything like that. That's all important, actually. But this is a recommendation that's a special recommendation, okay? If we learned nothing during COVID, it's that kids need, need, capital N, need to be outside. They need physical activity. They need to be moving in order for everything else to work. Kids can't be locked down. It just does not work. By getting them involved in some sort of physical activity, you are literally promoting the growth of their brain and their intelligence because you are pushing oxygen through their blood system. Okay? One thing I always told my my kids when they were, you know, playing sports, um, Activity begets activity is what I would always say to them. And, you know, I'll give you an example. Um, you know, my older boy played a lot of basketball up until he got to high school, you know, and then he focused more on football and track, but he played basketball a lot and still does, you know, as a, as a grownup. But he would be out there and he'd be missing shots or he'd be missing a pick on a play or, you know, he'd be playing for the school team and he just wouldn't be playing well. And I always told him that when that sort of thing happens, when you feel like mentally you're not there, or mentally you're tired, or inside your body you're just not quite getting what you need to get, play defense as hard as you can. Now what did that really equate to? That equates to moving really, really, really fast. As fast as a kid can move moving your arms around, moving your legs around, right? Getting in somebody's way, going up for rebounds. You're raising your heart rate. You're pumping more blood through your system. You're breathing harder. What does that do? It literally puts more oxygen into your muscles and into your brain. Every single time this sort of advice worked. Every time. My daughter would be playing basketball. She, you know, wasn't that confident in her shot. You know, she'd make a couple layups, but then she'd miss a jumper. And I'd tell her, play defense. Both my boys, the same thing. You know, you're up to bat. You're not getting hits. Okay. When you get out in the field, get moving. Make sure you're backing everything up. Make sure you're running as hard as you can to every play, to every base. Play defense. Get going. If you're in track and you're not throwing the discus that well, you know what? Hey, go off to the side, do some push-ups, get some blood flowing, get things going through your body, go run a lap. Pushing oxygen into your head helps you. And I can already hear what some people are thinking. You know, yeah, my kid's just not good at sports. Folks, your kid doesn't have to be good at sports for him to be involved in a physical activity. Every kid can walk or run unless they're physically handicapped. And then, you know, of course, I'm not trying to keep those kids out. All right. But even kids with afflictions can do things that are still somewhat active. If it's at all possible for your kid to be active, get them moving. If your kid can't throw, can't catch, you know, can't, uh, can't play this game or can't play that game. But he can run or he can walk. Get him going. That's why they have track teams. That's why they have summer track programs that have very little, um, you know, competitive, uh, you know, issue to them. Get them moving. All right. So, number one, you want to let them win. Get them some victories early in life. Number two, get them moving get involved in a physical activity. Here's number 3. Maybe the most controversial <clears throat> out of any of them because I've had this conversation with other parents and man, some of them don't like it. But uh don't let them be victims. No victims is number 3. I don't want to explain that one. It's really easy when things don't go your way, whether you're a kid, an adult, doesn't matter. When things don't go your way to start blaming, right? Blaming everybody else. But this isn't just a sports thing. This isn't just an exercise thing. This isn't everything. Do not let them begin the victim mentality. Let them believe that they have the power to change things, no matter how bad the situation might be. How? How do you do something like that? Where does that apply? Let me tell you a story. My oldest son, um, you know, had great grades. He was in uh, elementary school and he had these great grades, and uh, he had a straight A's in this one particular class. I think it was history, maybe. Um. He always got his work done, always got his homework done, you know, the whole bit. And then all of a sudden the teacher decided they were going to partner the kids together on a project. So my kid's working with a partner on this project and he does all the stuff he's supposed to do and and it looks great and he's really happy with it. And he feels like he's done a work and he goes into school the next day and they have their time to work together and finds out this other kid that he's in partnership with didn't do a thing. didn't even bother. And he asked the kid, he's like, don't you care about getting a bad grade on this? And he's like, no, I'm not doing this. (laughs) So of course my son comes home that day and I get home from work and we're talking and I could tell something's bothering him. He finishes his homework and I'm like, what's going on? And he tells me, you know, that project that I was working on? I said, yeah. I said, it looked great. He said, yeah, my part looked great. I did everything I could. I said, okay, what's the issue? He says, well, my partner isn't doing anything and we're not being graded individually. We're being getting one grade. So, you know, I've done all this work and I've worked this hard in class and everything else. And now I'm going to get this bad grade because this kid doesn't care. And I looked at him and I said, man, that that's rough. I said, what are you going to do about it? He goes, what do you mean? What am I going to do about it? I can't do anything about it. I said, nah, 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 come on. What are you going to do about it? He sat there thinking like, okay, I know there's a right answer here. I know there's a right answer. What am I going to tell my dad? Um, I don't know. I-, I could talk to him and see if I can get him to do the work. I said, you could. I said, that's not a bad idea. Have you tried that yet? He said, well, I talked to him today and he doesn't care. I said, okay, so you did that. You tried. He talked to him. He tried to get him to do the work and he doesn't care. I said, so you have two choices now. He goes, I do. I said, yeah, you have two choices now. One choice is to do nothing. You did your part. He's not going to do his part and you're going to get a bad grade. So I guess you have a choice that you could do nothing and take the bad grade because this other guy doesn't want to do the work. And he said, okay, that choice sucks, but yeah. He goes, what's the other choice? I said, think about it for a minute and you tell me what you think the other choice is. And he did. He thought about it for a while. And he goes, am I supposed to do his work for him? I said, I don't know. Are you? He goes, that's what you're telling me, isn't it? (laughs) I said, no, not at all. I'm not telling you that you're supposed to do anything. And in the end, this is kind of how it ended up. I said, look, son, you've got two choices. You can accept the fact that someone you're counting on isn't going to hold up their end of the bargain and you can let it impact you. That's a choice. I said, you also have the choice to say, I'm not going to let someone else ruin what I've worked so hard for so if i have to do it myself in order to get a good grade for me then that's what i'm going to do and isn't that the bottom line in life in a lot of ways it's real i mean look at look at your job look at your family life look at your relationships We're faced with this choice literally millions of times throughout our life. And somehow we decide one of those two choices. Either we let people tear us down by either their actions or their inactions. We let them impact us and we play the victim. Or we take charge of the situation. We take charge of ourselves. And we say, no. I'm not going to let someone else impact me like that. And that was a lesson that he learned very little. And that's a lesson that he carries with him to this day. There's at least been a dozen times since then, when he has actually quoted those words to me, he's been complaining about something either at work or, you know, in school or in a relationship and has said, you know, I know, I know what you're going to say. I just need to do it to make sure it gets done. That way I'm not impacted by it. And I just nod at him and go, boy, you, you got it. <laughs> now, is that fair? Nah course not. Is it fair to say to the good kid, you know, who's trying really hard to do their best? Oh, I guess you just have to do someone else's job then. No, it's not fair. And it's good that kids learn that life is not fair. But while you're teaching them that life is not fair, you're also teaching them how to take care of themselves. You're teaching them how to be independent. You're teaching them how to be confident because really no one is going to tear them down once they learn this. They'll see it coming and they'll know, look, if this is going to get done, I've got to do it. They'll learn that life lesson. They'll carry it with them the rest of their lives. It's one of the few things that I can look back on being a parent that I really believe I did really right in teaching my kids that. And I've seen it happen a million times with them. Over and over and over. So number three, no victims. (laughs) Okay. Number one is, you know, small victories, let them win. Number two, you know, get moving. Get involved in, you know, something physical. Number three, no victims. None, nobody, nada. And that brings us to number four. And I think that this is a very, very important one uh, for their entire lives. You know, all of these things we're talking about are involved in building self-esteem for your kids. Okay. Um, Either by building them up or making sure that no one else tears them down. This last one is exclusively between you and your kids. And it's something that I, I feel like I did right. But, you know, if, if you're a critical parent, if you're a, a man trying to get in touch with his own power, you're always going to think you could have done better. You're always going to strive to be better tomorrow than you are today. And so I'm sure that in all four of these categories, I could have done more, I could have done better. But knowing about these, having these in your mind and trying your hardest to be as good as you can be at them is what really matters. Because none of us are perfect. None of us are walking on water. So number four, to teach them self-esteem, to help them, them raise their self-esteem, of course, is to teach them trust. Trust. They're going to have the entire world to teach them about mistrust. They're going to have the whole world to teach them that, you know, there's going to be people out to get them when they're at their best. That when they are succeeding, there will inevitably be people sitting there just waiting. Holding their silverware with the napkin around their neck, licking their chops. Waiting to pull you down. So what you have to teach them, what we have to teach them, is to have Trust. And what I have found is the single best way to teach them to have trust is to make sure that every single day, somehow, in some fashion, you make sure that they know they are loved. You make sure of it. You show them. You give them a hug. You tell them that you love them. You tell them that you're proud of them. You call them, you text them, you reach out. When you're having an argument, you be the bigger person. You let them know, look, even though we're disagreeing on whatever it is right now, I love you. And I'm here for you, no matter what. Even if you don't like me very much right now, I still love you. And that's not always easy. Which is a funny thing to say because none of us hit a moment where we don't love our kids. The reason it's not easy is because so many of us don't love ourselves. Some of us can't stand ourselves. And when that's you and that's what's, you know, riding around in your brain and in your heart, it's hard to put out all of the love that you feel for them because the way you feel about yourself is totally getting in the way. Now, a day goes by that I don't think about all my kids and about how much I love them. Moments come and go throughout the day, texts come and go, memes come and go, make me think of them. You know, I am that really corny dad, by the way, that, uh, you know, makes a point of forwarding memes to my kids when I think it's something that's funny or appeals to them or that they might like. Yeah, I'm that dad. I'm that dad that, you know, the kids all talk about going, I can't believe he sent me another meme. Oh, my God. He thinks this is funny. This is so corny. Oh, my God. And I know they say that because they actually say it to my face. (laughs) So I get it. And, you know, I'm sure my kids are listening to this at some point. And when you're all listening to this, let me just tell you, I'm not going to (laughs) stop. So get used to it. I'm always going to be a corny dad. And I think you all know that. It's easy to see why this is an important point, but just to spell it out for you a little bit, when you teach them trust, when you give them the knowledge that you will always be there for them no matter what, you will get taken advantage of. You will get taken for granted. They will feel like they have to text or call, you know, all these other people in their lives before they get around to calling or texting you back, right? And at first, it's easy as a parent to go, you know, I raised you for 20 years and this is, you know, you can't even respond to my text. You know, what's going on? It's easy to fall into that because as parents, we're still insecure. Always will be. So you have to think about this list and you have to stop for a minute. Being taken for granted in a lot of ways is the goal. The reason that your kid is texting somebody else back first or, you know, uh, calling someone else first before they come back to you is because they're worried about their relationship with that person. They're not worried about their relationship with you. Do you get that? It's easy to feel slighted. You put a post up on Instagram and everybody you know likes it or something except one of your kids. And you're like, I can't believe my kid didn't, you know, give me a heart on that one. Man, I mean, isn't that kind of the world we live in right now? And you come to find out they just didn't bother looking through it and reading it all because they had to do these other things first. And yeah, maybe it's stuff that you don't think is important. Maybe they looked at a bunch of their friends stuff first and liked that stuff. Maybe they had to call these people or text these folks first before they interacted with you and yours. It's not because they don't like it. It's not because they don't support you. It's not because they don't respect you. It's because they know you're safe. Building this trust, it crosses party lines. I mean, it, it crosses over into all different areas of, of your relations with your kids. It's, you know, my mom and dad were divorced when I was growing up. And my dad was never there. And, you know, even when he was, it was a train wreck. My brother and I had no faith in our father. We had no belief that he'd be there for us when we needed him. So when it came time to put Christmas cards out and do this other stuff, we made sure we took care of dad because we wanted him to know that, you know, we really loved him a lot and maybe he'd let us know he loved us back. I don't know. He really didn't. And then here's my mom, who's there for us every day, (laughs) taking care of us. And we totally take her for granted. We get to her when we get to her. And she could have been real hurt by that. But she was a pretty wise Italian lady, and she knew what was going on. She knew that we felt safe. And how she felt about us. That's how big this trust piece is. That's why I saved it for last. Because I wanted to talk about it a little extra. Look at your own family and ask yourself. Do your kids feel safe in their relationship with you? Do they know beyond a shadow of a doubt. Consciously and subconsciously, do they know, truly, that you love them, that you will always love them, and that it will never waver no matter what? Do they? When they do, they tell you stuff. They let you in. They tell you, you know, when they're having relations with their boyfriend or girlfriend. They tell you when they've had a few drinks. They tell you what's wrong, what's bothering them. They tell you about their hopes and their dreams and about what they want to do with their future. They let you know that they really don't want to play college football. That's really not their future. They let you know that they really don't want to go to college in the first place. They really want to go live their lives while they're young and still can. They're honest with you when they say, I want to go to California and join a band. And I'll deal with school later. I told you that being taken for granted is not always easy. Sometimes it's incredibly painful. Sometimes you feel like your brain's going to just literally explode. But when they know. when they are secure and we've talked about that before too when they're secure and how you feel about them and how you're going to feel about them in the future they can trust you they can build that trust they have trust in their lives and you know a kid's relationship with their parents impacts everything else you know do they trust their significant others do they have issues with relationships Not when they trust their parents. And look, I'm not perfect. I have not always been good at this. But I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be good at this. I'm doing everything I can to be better at this. Better today than I was yesterday. so that I can be better tomorrow than I am today. You guys to see the recurring theme, I hope. <laughs> Those four points. Those four points to build, maintain and and have self-esteem flourish within your children. I think are just incredibly important and I hope that that as you've heard them. Okay. Point number one, small victories, let them win. Build that winning mentality. Point number two, (laughs) physical activity. Sorry, I told you, when I think about my kids, I get choked up. I'm, I'm choking up over here right now, just trying to get these words out. So... Point number two, get them involved in physical activity. Get them moving. Okay, we're moving now. Here we go. Point number three, no victims. No victims. Teach them. Teach them how to stay out of that mentality. Don't let someone else knock them down. And number four. Trust. Build that trust. Let them know that they're loved. Even as I'm saying this, I'm thinking of things that I could have and should have done better with all three of my kids. And I think that's one of the things that that I believe makes this podcast valuable. Is I'm not sitting here on some pulpit acting like some guru telling you, hey, I know everything and this is what you need to do. I'm literally speaking from experience of failures and successes. And I'm telling you folks, this is where I have failed in the past and I see it now. I hope that you can learn from my pain and from my scars so that you don't have some of your own. And the messages I get every single day after these podcasts, I mean, they, they tell me that we're helping somebody somewhere. And that's what all this is about. Tell me what you think about those four. Maybe you uh, don't like those four. Maybe you want to debate one of them. Maybe you've got you know a few of your own that you want to share. Uh, do so and maybe we'll talk about it in a future podcast and if I ever do talk about that stuff I'll give you credit you know um. so message me at power of man podcast on Instagram that's at power of man podcast on Instagram tell me what you think tell me what you're feeling Tell me where you think you might be failing and what you're going to do about it. Let's talk. Because you are worth working on. Believe it. Thanks for listening. Until next time.